Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Hey listeners, so this kind of snuck up on me, but this is our 200th episode. And while numbers are arbitrary, there's something about the milestone ones like 25, 50, 100 that stand out as significant. We at the show are so grateful to each of our guests for sharing their stories with us and to each of you listening. You're who make this show mean what it does. Thank you too for being part of making sure that grief gets the airtime it needs and for helping make our world be more grief aware and informed. There's no way we would have made it to episode 200 without you. For our 100th episode, we asked listeners to share what the show meant to them. So if you missed that one, you can go back in the archives and check it out. For this 200th episode, we went in a very different direction. Some of you may remember Harry Jensen. He was a guest about two years ago, talking about how he turned to humor and comedy as a way to deal with the grief of his father's death. Since then, Harry and two of his friends, Madison and Gabby, whose mom died of cancer a few years ago, started their own podcast. It's called Monday Morning. Madison, Gabby, and Harry are part of what they call the Dead Parents Club, where irreverence and dark humor are not just welcome, but almost required. In this episode, the four of us wander around a lot of grief topics, what they wish the world better understood about what it means to be a young adult who is grieving, how grief affects dating, and suggestions they have for others facing similar situations. We also define pillar parents, duffel bag dads, and moving on moms. And we laugh. A lot. The kind of laughter that happens when people who understand grief get together. I also want to give you a heads up that towards the end of our episode, I asked Gabby, Madison, and Harry to share a memory of their parent that maybe their parent wouldn't love the rest of the world to know about. One of those memories references hair on a part of the body that might be considered a little risque. So if you or someone you're listening to wants to skip hearing that, you'll know it's coming right after Harry shares a memory of his dad. Okay, here's episode 200. Harry, Gabby, and Maddie, thanks for coming on Grief Out Loud. It was so fun to be on your show, the Monday Morning Podcast. So (laughs) thanks for taking some time to be on our show, Grief Out Loud. I'm looking forward to whatever is going to come out of our conversation today. (laughs) Yeah, thank thank you you. for having us. Thank you. So excited to be here. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I loved about being on your show was that you all have a very unique, Mm. uh, special branded way (laughs) of introducing yourselves on your show and about like your story of grief. And I thought, let's let's just do that here today. So you all feel comfortable and you want to take some time, introduce yourselves. Tell us about your people who have died. Harry, do you want to go first? Harry, start us off. I usually usually start us off. off. Well, it's. It's a little thunderstormy here in Minnesota, so we're going to go with that that direction. But on January 5th, 2017, my name is Harry Vigo John Jensen, by the way. Uh, on January 5th, 2017, 
my father was caught in a uh, a hailstorm of metastatic cancer that just came down on him like little shards of ice, and he he went paralyzed from that little ice shard, and then he had too many ice shards in his lungs, and he he passed away. He passed away from a, a, a mm. thunderstorm of of cancer, colon cancer. Mm. Colon cancer. Hi, Hi Harry. Hello. Hi, Harry. <laughs> thanks yeah, for of sharing. Course. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, I'm Gabby. My mom died on September 3rd, 2016. And she, you know, she had an eco-friendly death, I like to say. She kind of just got composted by cancer, just in the lung, liver, bones, mm. brain, breast, just kind of, you know, decomposing beautifully into some type of soil. Mm. Um, that's how she Natural. Mm. Cancer natural. mainly, but also natural, yeah. It's so organic. We have a thundery Hello. ice shard storm and composting so far. How about yeah. you, Maddie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let me take a whack at it. Um, <laughs> I, am, I am Maddie, and my mother also died September 3rd. 2017 2016 2016. oh my god I knew I was gonna mess that up I I knew you were copying me I get 2016 and 2017 mixed up for some reason I think it's because I hear Harry's 2017 Mm. okay anyways 2016 (laughs) my mother is Gabby's mother um yeah and I'm gonna take a little detour here like someone's bowling kind of and my mother's (laughs) organs are the pins and just mm. kind of slowly, like one by one, the pins fell because, as we said, it was metastatic breast cancer. So, you know, one of the pins was her her lung and then another one was the bone and another one was the brain, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, until all the pins had fallen. Strike. Mm. Seven, Strike. seven, ten split. Yeah, yeah exactly. but in that in that i'm imagining not one strike right like multiple yeah balls going down the bowling alley one pin at a time it wasn't a strike no it wasn't yeah that would have been it was more efficient that would have been more efficient i don't even know if it was a spare they didn't spare her (laughs) she didn't get spared at all it was not a spare (laughs) uh so i have to ask because this is going to be episode 200 of Grief Out Loud. And no one in 200 episodes has introduced and told their story of grief in quite the same way that the three of you do. <laughs> and I'm wondering, like, what's helpful for you in being able to talk about your parents' deaths in these very illustrative, metaphoric, analogy kinds of ways? Mm. I mean, I think... That, well, first of all, we kind of thought it was a funny riff on, like, grief group gone wild, <laughs> I guess. Um, and obviously, like, we we kind of cope with humor, I would say, or at least I'll speak for myself. But I think that's kind of the, I don't know, we always say if you're not laughing, you're crying. So... I think we kind of just took that concept and we're like, we're really going to laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, it's, yeah. it's just cathartic in a way to like talk about such traumatic, dark things in a funny way. Like, it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> the darker it is in a weird way, it kind of like loops back around. It's like, this is actually really funny mm-hmm. in like some sick way. 
um yeah it's just easier to talk about i think Mm -hmm. with like a little veil of humor around it yeah and i think that because we all have shared a similar experience that it is like kind of the one place we can go where we can express these feelings and not feel like we are going to make someone uncomfortable like if we Mm -hmm. were speaking the way that we do speak on the podcast to like people that you know don't have dead parents like I mean the the discomfort that we would like put (laughs) upon them would make me feel very guilty you know so it's kind of like the one place that we can go to just like lay all of our cards on the table and not feel guilt not feel shame like not feel worried that like we might be making someone feel uncomfortable or what have you and I also think that a lot of grief resources like a lot of resources that have to do with like loss and death it's a very serious topic so I think oftentimes there's like a serious tone to the to to like a podcast or a book whatever and I think we were just kind of trying to add a little bit of variety I guess to the the buffet if Mm. you will of (laughs) grief um resources all you can eat all you can eat yeah Yeah. I I I think from my end like it's just natural because you know losing someone is such a hyperbolic experience anyways like it's so over the top um that it Mm -hmm. it doesn't always Mm -hmm. necessarily have to be over the top in a horrific way I don't know there's plenty of examples of um other forms other forms of doing that like superhero origin stories like you know what what what, <laughs> what if peter parker's like parents died and then the whole comic book was him just struggling to hold down a job and feeling isolated that would not that would not be fun to read <laughs> at all so let's make it a little bit more approachable you know mm. Mm-hmm. Well, as I was listening to you introduce yourselves this time around, this did this did not come to me when I was on your show. But a, a lot of times, so if we introduce ourselves and we say, you know, I'm Jana, my aunt died of cancer, like that's it, right? And it doesn't really share much with the people who are listening about my story. And it allows other people to make shortcut assumptions about what that experience might have been like for me. And then on the other side of that, people who are grieving, oftentimes the grief goes beyond words and Mm. they turn to other people and other people's ability to articulate it in a way that they could say yes thank you those are the words I've been searching for and so as you shared today I was like oh this almost is like reading poetry the kind (laughs) I like (laughs) where you read it and it's short but it says so much and it gives you so many so much more of like a full body experience of trying to get a sense of what what it was like you know, for mm-hmm. you all to be young adults and to have your parents dying of cancer. It just shares so much more deeply than just my mom died of cancer and my dad died of colon cancer. Um, I know you're going for the more funny, irreverent part of it, but there's this other side too that I think is really a gift and an honor to those of us who listen to your show or get a chance to talk to you in this way too. It's as visceral as the experience felt. I think it's like, even if it's visceral in a different way, <laughs> like that mm-hmm. is... We're kind of putting the listener maybe in our shoes mm. a little bit. <laughs> Definitely. And so I know you all know, well, Gabby and Maddie, you know each other because you are siblings and you also, the three of you know each other through this podcast, but how, how did the three of you originally meet? Well, Gabby and Maddie, how did you meet Harry? Harry did you, how did you meet Gabby and Maddie? And how did you come to find out that you had dead parents in common? Not the same parent, but you know what I mean? Like you 
All yeah. three of you had a parent who died. How did you? How did that go? Well, um, Gabby and I went to the same. We all went to the same high school, but Gabby and I were in a very uh, sm- strange, small friend group together. Um, and we just sort of happened to meet when I was a senior in high school and she was a sophomore in high school. Um, and we, our, both of our parents were alive at that time. So the way I found out that Gabby's mom died is, uh, she called me and she said, my mom's dead. And, uh, (laughs) then later I called her and I was like, my dad's dead. So it was pretty, pretty organic. It was, I mean, it was actually really funny too, because like, obviously I knew I was aware your dad was like battling cancer the whole time I knew you. And I think I had mentioned like, oh yeah, my mom had cancer like seven years ago or something, but she's fine now. And then all of a sudden I was calling Harry and being like, my mom's in hospice. And he was like, how did you you beat me? Like, how did your mom... She laughed, she laughed him and actually died first, which is a little competition we have for my mom got first place and no big deal. Yeah, I thought. (laughs) Yeah, because Harry's dad was sick for a long time before he died. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So like over a decade. Yeah, over a decade. And so Gabby had, I, I do remember you mentioning that your mother had had cancer and to me, that was like even luckier than never having cancer. I was like, I was like, all right, you're just bragging. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you hit yeah. that. Your your mother hit her final wind, and it was like the Olympics, like marathon. This mm-hmm. up and comer just charging through, bursting yes, through the she ribbon. Was up and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That last second, she, just pulling final ahead, birth. going mm-hmm. through exactly. the winner's ribbon against all odds. Exactly, it was a sprint. Yeah. <laughs> And it it may already starting to be obvious to our listeners, but what's been helpful for the three of you knowing each other through this experience of having your parents die? I think it's just a great place to feel less alone. I mean, I'll kind of talk about how, like, I met Harry through Gabby, obviously, and, like, we weren't really friends um, at first. Like, you were just kind of an acquaintance through Gabby. Like, you were one of Gabby's Mm -hmm. friends. Um, And then... You know, we just kind of started to get to know each other more. And then Gabby and Harry kind of created this idea for starting um, the Dead Parents Club. And through that, I've gotten to know Harry a lot more. And it just feels like such a safe space to go to, to talk about, to talk about the unique experience that is a parent dying, not only a parent dying, but like when you are a young person that hasn't really grown into like a full adult yet um so I, I guess just for me like plain and simple is just a safe space and it's I mean it's really fun to be able to share in the dark humor of it because you know I know other people that have dead parents but like they're they might not be as keen on sharing in that dark humor experience like and I understand that like when for maybe the first year after my mom died like I wasn't ready to joke about it so you know kind of coming to this place and then sharing in this experience with the two of you it's it's been really beautiful yeah what do you guys think I agree I agree I mean honestly it's been like invaluable to me because well obviously it's just wonderful to have like a sibling that went through that exact same loss like 
I can't imagine being an only child or something and having that happen. Mm. Um, because, you know, not everyone knew my mom like you did. So mm-hmm. it's, that's just amazing. Um, but then Harry, it's like, it brought us so much closer, I think. And it was just like the weirdest blessing that I never thought, I never thought I would call that a blessing. <laughs> Being like, both of our parents died. This is great. But like, we were already best friends before. And then it just felt like so awesome that we could connect in that way. It just brought us so much closer, I think. And it was like, before we would just talk on the phone and whatever, whatever we would talk about before our lives blew (laughs) up. But like, then like now we can talk on the phone and like, talk about these very like, deep intimate dark experiences that we both relate to and it's not like it doesn't feel like a burden it doesn't feel like I'm dropping like a huge emotional dump on Harry because like he's been through the exact same thing and like I'm there to hear him out so it's it's just such a great outlet like I don't really know anybody else that has had like even a similar experience honestly so it's great to have two of the closest people to me to talk to yeah i think there's having people who are close to you have had the same experience it helps mitigate some of like the shame and the sort of elliptical mobius strip mc escher puzzle of grief where you just keep on ending up (laughs) at the same platform um again and again and then being able to you know go on the podcast or call up Gabby or something and just find someone else who's also just stumbling around you know in in this impossible labyrinth um because yeah with with folks even the best the people who can commiserate best and are like highly empathetic it's there's still this feeling of like explaining your situation and even if they're giving you their all there's still some worry uh for me at least that you know someone's thinking how are you still here or why are you at this stage or, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, there's just a, a comfort in not having to try to articulate where I am in a journey just to know that someone else is on a path as well. What do you think the world gets wrong or doesn't understand about grieving at your age range, young adult, quote unquote, between like, you know, 18 ish to like 30 ish. What do you think the world doesn't understand about being that age and grieving a parent? I think um, one thing that I have been realizing lately is that at that younger age range, I think that typically, um, you know, you might not think of someone who's like 18, 19, 20, 21 as like a child, but they're still a child of their parents. Um, And we're also in like a societal economic situation generally where I think like multi-generational households and like economic interdependence are still a thing. So, you know, if you're a child, like a child, like under 18, a minor and you lose a parent, like I think it's more obvious that you're losing someone you like truly depend on because you're like in the name of the law dependent. Um, But when you're a little older, I think it's like, well, you're an adult now. But at that younger age, there's still a lot of things that a lot of my peers and cohorts still rely on their parents for that 
I can't, for instance, like in this day and age, a lot of people my age still live with their families, are getting financial assistance from their families, um, you know, things, things like that. And that's not as much an option when that person is obliterated. Um, so so <laughs> I, I, I think, yeah, I think that being 18 is not quite a child, not quite adult. And there's like this liminal space um, where you still really need your parents on like multiple practical, pragmatic levels. Yeah, I completely agree. Something that I feel is like this misplaced label from like older people onto I think like our age range, like when you when you lose a parent at a young age where they will mislabel you or kind of like project this label of like strength onto you where they're like, you are so strong. You're so strong. Like the amount of times that like an older person has said that to me and it's like, well, yeah, of course you think I'm strong because we're standing here in like a very normal setting. Like you're not seeing me at night when I'm in the fetal position on my bed, like sobbing about my dead mother. Like it's very easy to, yeah, just see me in like this normal setting when we're out in the world. I'm at, you know, we could be at like a CVS or something. It's like, yeah, of course I look strong right now. Like what am I supposed to be breaking down into your <laughs> arms? Like, and then it, it, I feel like it kind of perpetuates this kind of puts pressure on you to like, be like oh yes you're right I am strong like I must act strong because everyone thinks I'm strong and um I just think it it can be kind of confusing and um I don't know I just that that's one that kind of pisses me off I, I was gonna say something like that too where people are like well at least you got x amount of years with that person and it's mm -hmm. like oh come on like seriously and like going along with that, I think what's misunderstood too is that, or something that's just not, like I feel like I had to learn it the hard way is that grief doesn't go away. And when you experience it at a very young age, you have like a way longer timeline of grief, which is something that's like not really taught. And also there's just not a lot of resources set up for young people grieving, I feel like. Thankfully, like at my high school, when my mom died, there was a grief counselor automatically set up, which I know is not the case for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's just like the timeline is misunderstood where it's like you might view like a kid as like, oh, like they're strong. They'll bounce back and like they'll just get over it, whatever. But this concept that it's just forever and you have just added potentially like 20 or 30 years onto the timeline of like grieving a parent that would normally maybe pass away when you were like 40 or something. I love the idea of flipping the script a little bit because oftentimes if someone's older when their parent dies, you know, it's like at least you had 20, 30, 40, 50 years with that person. And on the other side, you also had 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life not grieving that person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, right. I hadn't thought about yeah. it from that perspective. Uh, you know, Harry, you mentioned like being a young adult, you're in this spot where people often misperceive uh, financial independence or other ways of being independent from parents and still really being reliant on them for a lot of different things, uh, including emotional and financial and physical support. The other thing I think about in that age range, well, this is true for almost all age ranges over a certain age, is the idea of, of dating, you know, and like 
what is it like to take grief into the dating sphere if you all have? I feel like that's something that comes up a lot in our young adult groups. It's like, how do I tell people? How do I find someone who's not going to be a jerk about my grief? Like just figuring all of that out. What's that been like for the three of you? (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to start? (laughs) We're laughing listeners because Gabby's eyes just got really big about that (laughs) question. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll, I'll I'll dip my little toes into the water. Um, yeah, you go, Harry. <laughs> yeah, I would say that for me, it's never been like it's it's never a secret I can really keep from a friend or uh, <laughs> yeah. and and not just because I love just blurting it out on the bus and wherever I am at the grocery store, <laughs> but my life is so still wound up in my father's passing, like. For instance, the thing I've been doing for the last couple years is, and I'm in the finishing processes now, is clearing out my father's house and still trying to get rid of it and get rid of his stuff. And so my life is so wound up in it that if I'm going to be dating someone, like it comes up in small talk in about four seconds flat. It's like, so what do you do? (laughs) Well, when I'm not cleaning out my dead father's house, I like to... uh, scribble you know it's like always the it's the first clause of any sentence I say about myself but in those moments I think I try to be a little bit more candid about it and not do the scary thing because I've definitely scared off a few dates with the oh it was a big (laughs) hail storm of destruction and he blew up like the channel you you know um, but yeah I don't know dating can be I think it gets easier over time but in the beginning, sometimes it can be like you're really worried if this person is going to see your experience. You know, I, I think that's just an initial initial hurdle because there's so many different kinds of experiences that are hard to share or communicate. So it comes out right away no matter what, but it sounds like over time you've maybe been grown a little bit more self-conscious or aware of how to titrate it out in a way that the other person can manage. Yeah, because sometimes you want to scare someone. Just if you're if you're for your own amusement, but often not. Definitely. No, I relate so hard. I think I used to be extremely trigger happy with dropping the proverbial bomb of like my mother's dead. Like it would come up within the first like Harry said, four seconds of meeting really anyone like a romantic prospect a friend like it didn't matter a who foe. <laughs> a friend of foe I was like my mother's dead um and so I've tried over time to like reel that in and you know because now I recognize that sometimes that can lead to trauma bonding and things such such as that and um but I will say as far as dating goes specifically I was in a long-term relationship when my mother died and it went on for like a couple years afterwards and this person came from a family that was more functional than I had ever experienced growing up, like very like intact family, parents still married, parents still alive. Um, You know, as humans, like we strive in our relationships for like deep, meaningful connection with like a lot of understanding, especially me, you know, I'll speak for myself. That's, you know, that's what I really value in relationships, like very deep understanding and connection. And I just felt like because we, we came from such different places and especially after my mother died, I just felt like there was this lack of understanding that I think I really grew resentful about. And I've seen that in relationships since. And I think that that's just, 
you know, something that you have to accept. Not everyone is going to be able to understand, you know, not every single person you interact with is going to have a dead parent there, you know, so I've had to accept that over time. But after a couple relationships, I decided like, all right, the next person I date needs to have a dead parent. Like, I don't care if that is too specific. I don't care if that, like, if my list is getting too niche of needs that need to be met, but I, I found one actually. So now I'm dating someone that also has a dead mom. His mother died when he was 18, and I mean, I it's I I wouldn't do it any other way now. <laughs> now that I now that I uh, yeah, the grass is greener on this side. I'm telling you. <laughs> Will there be a coming soon like the Dead Parent Club dating app? Mm. Ooh, oh, okay. that's a great idea. Brilliant. I love that. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'm pretty much just going to echo what you guys said, but Mm. to your point, Maddie, about you can't expect everyone to have a dead parent slash get it. That is something you have to definitely like come to accept just in any relationship. I think what is important to me is just someone who is like willing to learn about the experience and like willing to, I don't know, like try their best if even if they don't fully empathize to like meet you there I've had people who just seem like kind of uninterested about my mom's death and it's like a huge part of my life and my identity at this point so if you're not really curious about it and maybe they're just some people are just like shy to talk about those things because they don't know how to talk about death you got to know how to talk about death if we're dating but I mean that's rule number one (laughs) but like I value in relationships someone who like cares to learn and meet me there and is willing to talk about it because they know that it's important to me to talk about. Mm. One thing that came to mind as you were all talking is, I'm not sure if this is true, but were both, were your parents, both of you, all three of you, were your parents divorced or separated when yes. your person Oh, you bet died? your bottom dollar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. you that's what I thought. And, and that's a unique situation. Could, and you want to talk a little bit about that? Like, what, what do you think it is? What's different about having parents who are split up or separated or divorced or estranged when one parent dies versus the, the imagining you haven't had the experience of what it would be like if parents were still together? Uh, I was very surprised at how hard my dad took my mother's death because they had been divorced for so long. I mean, it wasn't that long. They had been divorced for like a few years officially. But I had a feeling that they were going to get divorced my whole life just because (laughs) they never got along and there really virtually was not any love between them or affection. Um, So I was very surprised at how hard my dad took it. It was, I mean, to an extent, you know, of course he's going to take it hard like they were life partners and they had three kids together, but it kind of like destroyed his life. And that was a bit surprising to me, just like how how hard he spiraled after the death. I've heard some people say that when one parent dies, it feels like they lose the other parent too. Yeah. Because the other person is, you know, so consumed in grief. And it sounds like it was maybe surprising to you that maybe that experience was happening for you, given that your parents had been split for a while. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I totally understand you know, everyone's grieving and I completely understood that. Like he had his own grief to process, but yeah, it just, it kind of was to the point where he was incapable of like really functioning, you know, as a, as an adult and as a father, um, which I tried not to judge, you know, but it was, um, 
it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. And it did feel like we lost two parents after that, which was really complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. I think a layer to the divorce thing, too, is that, like, I think most children of divorce have, like, if you're going between two houses, you kind of have one house or one parent that you're like, this is really my house. And maybe the other one is just the one you bring a duffel bag to. <laughs> and <laughs> I think this I think this phenomenon tracks, right? Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, but at least that was my experience. So it brings another layer if the pillar parent is the one who dies which in that was my case my mom was that person so and you were left with duffel bag dad I was left with duffel bag dad and <laughs> so if that is the case I think that brings you know there's just a lot of mixed emotions I'm sure it would be a strange experience reverse too if the parent you weren't maybe that close with died you know like there's so many layers to it but I think that's definitely like an interesting dynamic that just you know, you wouldn't really have to move around too much if you were just in one nuclear home and then the parent died and you're still just staying there and mm-hmm. you're getting through it together as a family. But when there's a lot of moving and shaking involved and yeah, all the parent dynamics, it's kind of complicated. And the death of a parent makes divorce seem like a piece of cake. <laughs> you know, it kind of is like, well, divorce, that wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I forget that the divorce was an issue for people. I'm like, oh, that little... Yeah. Yeah, I I think that even, like, in addition to being divorced, there's something about... My dad was a bachelor, not a swinging bachelor, sort of a stationary bachelor. Um, And so when he died, there was no... I feel like uh, there's a lot of expectation of spousal figures to take care of, um, you know, the the aftermath of their partner's death. Um, but when there mm-hmm. is no spousal figure, like, you just got to sort of figure mm-hmm. it out. Like, my uncle played a big role, and my brother played a big role, and I played a big role. Um, and it's always been this weird sort of... Um, congregation of duties and expectations that aren't really clear Um, and then the divorced parent is sort of out of that typically out of that whole system of duty and it it can it can really sort of strain it can it can be a strain on the relationship because you know then the pillar parent is still sort of the pillar parent even though they're gone like it's not it's not often that the other person just totally they're like all right i'm putting on my boots i'm not duffel bag daddy i'm not moving on mommy i'm not zooming away zaza i'm here to help and i'm gonna fix everything that doesn't really happen it's not like their place so there's a lot of expectation like again right now i'm selling my dead father's house and if he had some some lovely lovely partner that was uh in his life then she'd just (laughs) she'd just be here um and i could just move on uh but tis not the case when bachelors bite the dust again you all with your illustrative poetic uh explanations (laughs) of these situations really appreciating them and I wanted to back up a little bit and give you all a chance to to tell us a little bit about your 
pillar parents. And <laughs> and if you want to tell us one that maybe your parent would prefer not to go public, that's great too, since that seems a little in keeping with your show, um, mm-hmm. your podcast. But you can also just tell us any short memory you'd like to about your person so we can get to know them a little bit. Okay, okay. Does anyone? I have one if no one. Yeah, you go, you go. Well, this is actually something I shared at the funeral, um, but it's probably just like one of the funniest memories I have of my mom since it was like maybe in the year before she died. So it's like the freshest, but I think it just illustrates her personality. But basically we were at our apartment together and she loved to dance and sing she was so tone deaf but she would listen to music so loud and i don't know clean run around do her thing so she was listening to gold digger by kanye west and (laughs) this song was full volume on a speaker like absolutely like and for context the other residents of this apartment were like elders so it was like us and then just a bunch of like retired like like people would pace the hallways as a workout, like pretty <laughs> fairly old people. And so she's screaming this song, dancing around the apartment, and there's a knock at the door. And it's the manager of the apartment who was in the office downstairs who could literally hear her playing this music and had to ask her to quiet down. And I was in the room and I was just like, <laughs> I can't believe my mom just got a noise complaint for screaming Kanye West. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's that's probably my fondest memory. And she was so embarrassed. So she'd probably be a little embarrassed if I <laughs> shared that. She listened to music so loud. Yeah. <laughs> OK, OK, let's see what, what, what's coming up. Um, my father... Now it just sounds like I'm starting a eulogy. Um, <laughs> I think one of the memories that I <laughs> enjoy of uh, my father is that he, um, what was it? Oh, he, oh, this, this is great. Uh, we, he would cook dinner every Sunday night, um, which was amazing because he had stage four you know, metastatic cancer for about a decade and he still managed to cook these delicious dinners. He was a fantastic cook, refused to teach me how to cook. And now I'm atrocious, which is great. But <laughs> there was one night, and then I would do the dishes um, or me and my brother would do the dishes or me and my uncle. And my father was on a chemo holiday. And uh, for those who don't know, chemo holiday is when your treatment is working or for whatever reason, you're just not taking your chemo at that moment. Um, but his cancer was very slow growing and he would have quarterly scans every three months. And the next day he was going to get the results back from a scan. Uh, so that Monday and he would always, always forget to tell me the results. Um, he would, he would never text (laughs) me. He would like call his friends and like his grandma, uh, or his mother, rather. Um, yeah, his his dead grandma. Anyone. He'll tell someone at the grocery store. But he would never <laughs> tell me. So I was like, hey, Dad, could you... And I'm finishing up the dishes. I've just cleaned the counters. And he's playing a game on his phone. And I say, Dad, could you tell me this time if, you know, you need to go back on treatment? And he doesn't look up from his phone. And he says, 
you know, it's your fault if I get cancer again. And I was like, I was mm. like, what? And that was just one of his classic jokes. Uh, and I was, I was, I was classic like, Dad, <laughs> why did you say that? And he just oh, sort of, so he classic. just doesn't even laugh. He just goes to bed the next day. I don't get a text at the time. I know he has his appointment and I text him and he's like, yep, got cancer again. And I was like, oh, great. So now it's my fault. Uh, <laughs> but that was oh, his great. sense of humor. Yeah. Um, it was pretty meta. Uh, pretty. Metastatic, yeah, it was metastatic. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was a great moment when I gave my father cancer. Apparently. Uh, okay, yeah. So I have one, and I hope it's not like too graphic. Um, but it's really one of the first things that came to my mind, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Uh, let me get into it. So every summer for a very long time, our family would go up north to northern Minnesota, where we would be. We would like stay at a cabin and we would boat around on like this chain of lakes and we were with a couple other families that uh, we were really close to. And, you know, my mother would like be in her swimsuit on the boat. And (laughs) every summer, I just remember when I was a little girl, like looking at her in her swimsuit and my mother had like the biggest bush (laughs) ever. And like it would just be like cascading out of her swimsuit. And I remember when I was a child... (laughs) I was like disgusted by it like I was like wow my mother is really just out here with all that going on and she's body positive it was so body positive and she was just like completely like natural like that was who she was and so now I look back and I'm like you know what yeah rock on mom you did that and like she just didn't care what anyone thought like she knew it was visible but she just didn't care and that was who Susie was. So <laughs> that literally was one of the first <laughs> thoughts that came to my mind. I just remember every summer seeing her like that. And I was I like, I can't ah. believe that. <laughs> so, it yeah. really stands out to me that the three of you picked, you know, memories that you thought, oh, maybe my person would love for the whole world to know about this. But it seems like they also really um, capture parts of your parents' personality that were really stand out strong to you. You know, Harry, mm-hmm. your dad's humor, which it seems like maybe you've inherited, and you know, <laughs> Gabby for you, your mom just like singing super loud, but then getting embarrassed because she got busted by the mall walkers in the apartment hallway. And and Maddie, you know, well, we don't need to say yours again. Maddie would have one. We'll be thinking about it for a while. <laughs> we can cut it. You are you were right. You chose a good one for one she wouldn't want anyone to know. That was on the nose. Would she not want anyone to know? Everyone knew. Everyone well, knew. It I wasn't don't know. a secret. You know what? In 2021, that's revolutionary. Like, oh, I wish I met her. I wish I met her. She's more. old school. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we're pretty much at, at our time. So can we do a lightning round? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't actually know what that is, but I hear lots of other podcast hosts say, hey, we're going to do a lightning round. So let's do a lightning okay. round, which in my yeah, mind means do it. answer this question in a sentence or less. And so my question to you is the one that I hate that people ask me, like, what's one thing you would recommend for other people in a similar situation? But I'm going to ask you that. Like, if you were to have someone sign on to the dead parents website and be like, please help. My parent just died. I'm 21. What's the one thing I should know or do or not do? Sentence or less, Harry? Oof. Um, I would say just keep talking about it because eventually 
you'll say something that makes you feel heard. Mm-hmm. Love it. I would say, um, like, don't judge yourself for how you're grieving. That's one sentence. Um, like, there's no right or oh, wrong. Two way, sentences. You know. <laughs> okay. Oops. Oops. Okay. Not lightning. <laughs> um, I would say, understand and accept that grief never ends. Second, <laughs> second <laughs> sentence, maybe. <laughs> and grief can be really enlightening. That's what I would say, mm. too. I appreciate that you end the, the lightning round with the word mm. enlightening. Enlightening, mm-hmm. yes. So um, enlighten us, me and the listeners again with if people want to connect with you all, connect to your podcast, connect to the Dead Parents Club, like where, where should they go? I'll put all this in the show notes, but sometimes it's just nice for people to hear it, too. Um, okay, so we are on the World Wide Web at deadparentsclub.rip, not .com.rip. Let's get on it, griefies. Um, <laughs> we are on Instagram at deadparentsclub.rip, and our podcast, Monday Morning with a U, is on, I think, every podcast app you can get. YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all the things. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much where you can find us at this point. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you all so much. It's been just as much fun to have you on Grief Out Loud as it was to be a guest on your podcast, the Monday Morning Aww. Podcast. So I really <laughs> appreciate you making time across the time zones to come and laugh <laughs> and be have some dark humor with us and, and tell us about your parents and yeah, give us a little insights into what is it like to grieve as a young adult and what do you need and, and what does the world need to do a better job of. So thank you again mm. for, for your time. It's today. been a hailstorm of fun. Thank a hailstorm of fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been a lightning round of joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have one. It's been a tornado of excitement and it's been great. Yes. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. <laughs> Well, listeners, thank you for joining us for this um, Weather Channel of Grief podcast episode today. And thank you again for being part of our listening community. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at griefoutloud at dougie.org. You can find all of our past episodes at our website, which is also dougie.org. That's D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. So thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time. 